Well, again, I just want to keep thanking all of those who've been involved with our worship, for all of the folks who have helped to add pieces um, and put things together. Um, I greatly appreciate all of your willingness to try new things and and to be uh, to be open to, to trying and doing some things. If you'd like to participate in any way, if you'd like to uh, record any special music, or if you'd like to uh, learn how to edit or put things together, um, if you'd like to be a liturgist, uh, if you'd like to share the Lord's prayer, um, like to record a video of yourself saying the Lord's Prayer or, or singing the doxology, um, we'd love to include anything that you have to offer. Um, so you can always uh, email those, or uh, if they're two big files, we'll figure out how to get them from you. Um, or if you'd like to learn how to edit or put some of the videos together, we'd be happy to teach you. Um, so uh, thank you again to all of those who have helped and, and to all of those who will help. Uh, we appreciate the ways that, uh, that you've been able to put our worship together. So um, we are now in um, our second week on our uh, series on prayer, talking about how do we pray. And it's a question that I'm often asked as a pastor is, um, is somebody will ask, like, how do I start? Where, how do I pray? Uh, where do I start? Or perhaps at a time when it feels like, gosh, I just don't know. I, I don't know how to pray anymore. Or I'm not sure what I'm doing. Or what has always worked for me, it just isn't anymore. And then maybe there's that question of, does God really hear my prayers? And does God really hear all of my prayers? How do I develop a prayer routine? What does that look like? How do I, how do I put this together? How do we pray? So we're looking at that question in many different ways and uh, how we pray together, especially using the Lord's Prayer and the scripture passages that we find the Lord's Prayer. So as we talk about prayer again this morning, would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, last week um, I talked about the definition of prayer being uh, having a conversation with God, speaking and listening, and allowing the space for both of those things, for us to share uh, with God and also to hear back from God, God's response to our prayers, God's answers, and God's call to us. And that voice of God comes in many different ways. Some people have heard an audible voice from God, and some people haven't. Some people have heard answers to their prayers through another person or heard the voice of God through another person. Some have felt it deep within themselves. Some get answers or hear the voice of God in nature. Uh, God speaks in many different ways. It's our openness to hearing from God. Now, um, I think that when we talk about prayer and listening and speaking, even listening for the voice of God, uh, that often comes back even to our image of God and what we believe and what we know about God. So uh, a few years ago, I decided that my Lenten discipline was to be uh, having conversations with people who consider themselves atheist, agnostic, or who had a complicated relationship with God. And every time I had one of these conversations, uh, they described the God that they didn't believe in. And as they described this God that they didn't believe in, I confessed that the God that they were describing, well, it wasn't the God I believed in either. For some, it was because it was a vengeful or punishing God. 
And for others, it was a God who was intentionally hurtful. And for others, it was because of particular circumstances and situations that caused their questioning and disbelief in God. A friend who was struggling with issues of fertility came to believe that God surely couldn't exist and cause her so much pain. Another said, if God was loving, God wouldn't have given his mother cancer. And sometimes it was something someone else described or taught them about God. A friend said he believed in God until he learned about evolution and asked his pastor some questions. And his pastor said, only idiots would believe in something like that. And God has nothing to do with it. And he said in that moment, he thought, well, God can't be real then. And I'm an idiot. And another said, I was the star student in my youth group until all the Christians I kept meeting were some of the most racist and terrible people. And I just decided that if God didn't love me because I was Mexican or my brother because he's gay, I wanted nothing to do with a hateful God like that. And I tried to believe in God without church, but if Christians are supposed to represent God and they act in that way, I I just can't. Now, perhaps there have been experiences in your life that have given you pause about the nature of God. Perhaps there were moments or seasons where you wondered if God was real. Or if God was real, is God a jerk or a bully or just not good? And perhaps those have not been your experiences at all. But chances are you know someone for whom those things are true. So where do we start? Well, I think we start with wrestling with this. Part of what I think my job is as a pastor and your job is as a Christian is is to be present. Now, some people think my job as a pastor and your job as a Christian is to convince people of uh, false statements and false beliefs and convict them and say why it's wrong and why they should believe differently. But I'm just not sure that arguing or debating someone makes them believe anything, or I think it often just forces us back into what we think and what we hold to be true. However, listening and being present with someone It may not change their mind, but the relationship gives the opportunity. Uh, At a church I was serving, there was uh, a member who called me and and asked if I would meet with a friend of hers. And uh, she said, can you you meet with my friend to help my friend have her faith again? And she explained that her friend had been heavily involved in her church, which was not ours, but another place. And then all of a sudden she was telling everyone she didn't believe in God anymore. And so she said, would you, would you meet us for coffee? And I said, well, of course, absolutely. I'd be happy to meet with you. What I didn't know is that she didn't tell her friend that I was coming. And so it was a setup, a sort of spiritual setup, um, don't do that to your pastor or to your friends. Um, and so uh, so uh, we were sitting down and uh, her friend sat down and looked very confused for a moment. And um, the member looked at me and she said, well, 
you two have a lot to talk about. And then she turned to her friend and she said, have fun with Pastor Melissa. And then she left. And so this woman who is sitting across from me, she sort of crossed her arms and she sighed and I don't blame her. And she looked at me and she said, oh, so you're the new one who's gonna fix me. Good luck. Um, and I said, well, I'm not here to fix anything, but I am here to listen. And after a bit of just some general conversation, she just looked at me and she crossed her arms again and she said, I'm not sure if I'll ever have faith again. And I said, well, well, why do you say that? And she said, I just don't think that God is real. And I said, well, well, why? What, what's happened that's made you ex feel that and, and experience that? And she said, well, when I was 14, the youth pastor at my church sexually abused me for a year. And when I told the pastor what was happening, he said that no one else had ever said anything like this and everyone really liked the youth pastor, so it must be my fault that I had been abused. And I was clearly tempting the youth pastor and was a terrible person who needed to confess all of my sins to God. So I did. And I began believing that I was a terrible person who God may never love. And then I got married and my husband was abusive in every way possible. And I said to something to my prayer partner in church, and she said I should talk to the pastor who told me that it was my duty as a wife to stay with my husband and pray for them and stop making him angry and abusing me. And then I needed to pray for God to forgive me to consider, for considering leaving or blaming my husband. And once again, I believed I was a terrible person. And then my child got sick and I prayed so hard that God would take me instead and she died. And I couldn't believe anymore that it was me that was the terrible person. It was God. And I reached over and I held her hand as she cried and, and I cried with her. Now for her, prayer was a manipulation tool that taught her that she was terrible and that God would never love her. And that's not prayer. And that's not God. But it was the image that she had and she held. Now what's the image of God that you have? Is there a picture that comes into your mind when you hear the name of God? Or perhaps is there a name that you use for God? Is there a feeling that you feel? Is there a scent that you associate with God? Or a taste? A sound? Often our picture comes from experiences that we've had. Often I think of God smelling like lilacs because my grandma Myers had these great big lilac bushes in her backyard. And I remember just sitting in the middle of them and just feeling safe. And so for me, God smells like lilacs 
And every time I see a lilac bush, I think, oh, there's God. Now, hopefully your experiences are positive ones like lilacs or love or warmth. And occasionally they aren't. And these experiences shape how we view God and they shape how we pray. Now it is fully normal to question and to wonder, and it's even normal to question your beliefs, which may include the, the existence of God. In some ways throughout our lives, we deconstruct what we know or believe because what we learned as children doesn't always hold. And sometimes that's about faith and sometimes that's just about life. Sometimes it's because as children, we just can't comprehend certain subjects. And sometimes it's because we may not want to believe or learn something. And so sometimes we deconstruct what we've learned. And this is often healthy and helpful. But I think what's important to remember in the process is to remember to reconstruct, to put it back together. And I think sometimes this is a step that people often miss. We hold on to the things that we know to be true. In my time of deconstruction and reconstruction, which honestly happens over and over and over again as we learn and grow, when I was reconstructing my own faith, I started by holding on to what I knew to be true of God, what I really believed. And to remind me of that, I got a tattoo to remind me of what I know to be true, that God is infinite, that God is a big God that can handle all I throw at God, anger, sadness, frustration, happiness, joy, and that faith, hope, and love remain, just like it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, that faith can be as small as the size of a mustard seed and as large as a mountain, that hope is embedded in the foundation of my belief and that love always wins that new life and resurrection are deeply important to what I know to be true of God, and that this world matters so much that we work to make it better. And when I started with those things, I was able to rediscover and reconstruct the faith that will continue to evolve as I continue to try and understand an infinite God. And my understanding of how I know God changed how I pray and the prayers that I pray. The prayers that I was afraid to pray before because I thought, well, I can't pray that. Can I use those words? Oh, I'm so mad, but I just, I just don't think I can tell God that right now. Those prayers that I became, uh, that I was afraid to pray well, I was still a little nervous, but offered everything of myself to God. Those prayers that we pray, those that we bring to God with our full self. Now, the Lord's Prayer gives us a framework 
of how to start to pray. But it's not the only way to pray. We offer our hearts and whatever we find there. Our prayers bring all of our emotions to God. I had a friend who said she was very angry with God. And I said, well, have you prayed about it? And she said, oh, I can't tell God I'm angry. And I said, I think you just did. But even in our prayers of being angry, we share those with God. You can't hide anything from God. God knows already. Are you angry and frustrated? Can you pray that? Are you sad and grieving? Can you pray that? Are you happy and laughing? Can you pray that? Yes, you can. You can bring all that you are and all that you have to God. Pray those prayers, all of them. You don't have to wait for the perfect moment or the perfect location. On a mission trip that I was on with a youth group, um, we engaged, uh, the, one of the first nights, um, there was a debate about where to pray. Um, and people would call out places where it was okay to pray and where it wasn't. Can I pray at school? Yes, of course you can pray at school. Can I pray at church? Yes, of course you can pray at church. Can I pray in the middle of a field? Yes, of course you can pray in the middle of a field. And finally, and, and someone said, hey, can I pray in the shower? And it was like crickets. And everybody looked at me like, what is she gonna say? And I said, well, yes, of course you can pray in the shower. And somebody was like, no, you can't. How embarrassing is that? And I said, well, why is, why is that embarrassing? And they said, well, cause God can see you like in the shower. And I said, I don't think God cares what you look like when you pray. God cares that you're praying. And so it became the joke after we were finished working um, and we would uh, shower for the evening um, that somebody would come out and be like, I just prayed today, everybody. Where can you pray? Well, you can pray wherever. You don't have to wait for the perfect location. You don't have to wait for the perfect words. The words that tumble out of your mouth are what's important. And sometimes they're not eloquent and sometimes they're not perfect. And God's not judging and God's not writing on a scorecard. Well, that was the wrong word. God wants to be in conversation with you. And you don't have to wait for the perfect situation. Prayer is good for the perfect times. But it's really good for the imperfect ones. So how shall we pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
And that word amen at the end of that, it's a small word that means so be it. So be it. These prayers that I have prayed, so be it. At the end of the conversation with the woman and I who had been ambushed together, I asked, can I pray with you? And she smiled and she said, no, thank you. And then she paused and she said, but could you pray for me? And I said, of course. Is there anything that you'd like me to pray for? Which is something that I ask uh, most people when we're in the hospitals or in nursing homes, when we're closing together, I, I usually will ask, is there anything that you'd like for me to pray for? Or is there anything in specific you want for me to pray for? And so I said, what would you like me to pray for? And she said, well, to be honest, no pastor has ever asked me that before. They've always told me what to pray for or what they pray for me. And so I said again, what would you like me to pray for you? And she said, I'd like to believe again. I'd like for God to be the God that I hope for, a loving God and not judging all of my mistakes. I'd like to pray again. I'd like to go to church again. Can you pray for all of that? And I said, absolutely. May I also pray for your openness to see where God already is? And she said, please pray for my heart to be softer. And I said, of course. And then I said, well, can I be honest? I think we just prayed. I think our whole conversation was a prayer. And she said, can I be honest? So do I. I haven't said any of these things out loud to anyone, let alone a pastor. Do you really think that God heard all that I said? I believe it. Because the God I know is a God who loves, who listens, who offers grace and hope and love and faith. I believe it. And I think prayer happens a lot more than we think it does. Prayer happens all the time. So don't worry about doing it right or wrong. Just do it. Share with God. Share with a friend. Confess, lament, petition, laugh, joy. God is with you in all of it. Amen. So be it. Amen.